Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, the show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. Welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, and I am delighted as always to welcome my guest, Shelby Kaminsky. Hey, Shelby. Thank you so much for joining me. And of course, we always love to get the show started with a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing at the moment. Yes, I am so honored to be on this podcast. So um, I guess a little bit about me and my background is I'm originally from Michigan, suburbs of Detroit. I moved out here to Boulder about nine years ago to go to CU Boulder. And yeah, I always knew I wanted to do environmental studies. So that was my major, like right when I started school. And I um, only did four years at CU. And by the end of CU, I had a business idea to start a compost tea business. So when I was a senior, I was kind of formulating my company and everything that goes into that. And then when I graduated, I launched my business. So I make and apply compost tea, which is a living fertilizer essentially to gardens and landscapes and farms all over the front range of Colorado. And so, yeah, that's sweet. So I'm gonna get like really like basic, like what is fertilizer? So yeah, so fertilizer is I would say food for plants Mm -hmm. and but it's not only just plants, it's also the soil. People really kind of just look at uh, a garden and they're just really paying attention to the plants, but the soil is actually what's providing all of the food for the plants. So if something's wrong with the soil, um, then something's going to be wrong with your plants. So yeah, fertilizer is food for plants. Word, and soil is like, alive isn't it it's like a living thing i don't know if people realize that yes so soil is a living organism and it's made up of a bunch of different living organisms that they call the soil food web so it's pretty much like a big web of all these organisms eating each other and providing food from each other kind of like you know the food chain that we're a part of um there's that underground happening Word. So what made you want to like start your own business rather than like get involved with some large like fertilizing company? Yeah. um, So I guess I didn't say, but during my CU years, I took a permaculture design class and you get like a permaculture design certificate when you take that course. And what I really took away from that course was how can you be not only self-sufficient, but how can you provide for your community around you? So I got the idea of a business. Like I didn't know what business I wanted to do, but I just knew that I wanted to provide some sort of service to my community. Mm. And then, yeah, I came upon compost tea shortly after my permaculture design class. And um, some people were doing a similar business to mine, but they were up on the Western slope in the mountains doing it. So, you know, like four or five hours from here. And so I kind of got consulted by them to start what I'm doing now. Um, But, you know, each market and everything is different. So they just really guided me 
with like what equipment I should get and stuff like that. So I was really inspired by other people doing this, mm-hmm. but I started doing it. Right. Where do you, where would you say like your passion for like soil health or like farming or just plants in general comes from? You said you grew up outside of Detroit. Yeah, I grew up in the suburbs, um, okay. of just lakes everywhere. I grew up swimming in lakes, um, you know, all summer long and tons of beautiful forests. I don't know if you've ever been to Michigan, but a lot of Michigan is really untouched raw land. Um, so I, yeah, I think just as a little kid, I always love nature and I have four sisters. So we were always just like playing outside, romping around, doing things. And then when I got to high school is when I got to take like an environmental studies course. It was like a college level course that I took. And that was like, whoa, I can go to school for this type of stuff. So I got really excited. And then within environmental studies, there's so much, like it's such a broad major, like when someone says they went to school for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of was interested in like the law and policy side of it. And then taking my permaculture course really put me on like a plant, a path with plants. And then right when you get involved with plants and you get involved with soil. So yeah, it's kind of like like the rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah. It's like its whole own universe that we don't, uh, don't know about. Oh yeah. It's a whole galaxy. And I think I told you the other day, we know more about space than we do about our soil. And that has a lot to do though with technology that we have to actually like look at the microorganisms with our own eyes. This is how Mm -hmm. we, how we know what's going on is we have to like sort of visually see, but they're coming up with all this technology to test microbial activity without us being able to like see them. Mm-hmm. So I would say the world of soil microbes and micro microbiology in general is really just getting started. That's so crazy. Cause like space is literally like billions and billions of miles away. And like the soils, like you can pick, like I've seen the video of you, like holding it in your hand and like squishing it around that we know so little that makes me think about how, like, if we know a lot about space, but like, we don't know what's in like our oceans, just like weird. That's just weird to me. Yeah. It's the same thing with the ocean. We don't know that much about the ocean. Um, and it has to do with like technology. Like we kind of just make technology based on what we're, what we're interested in, what we want to know. And I also think that the chemical companies and pesticide companies like big ag has done like a really good job of keeping people not interested in the soil, if that makes sense, or just not. um, Yeah, because if you learn about that soil is a living organism, then you're like, well, why are we gonna spray chemicals on the soil? Um, like if we wouldn't spray them like on ourselves and our bodies, why would we put it on? Cause we call, or a lot of people call the soil, the skin of the earth. Yeah. It's a small, small layer. It's like really small, yeah. right. Compared top to the whole soil. earth. Yeah. The top soil is a really small part. It supports um, all life because it's food. It's like what makes all the food. Yeah. A lot of our top soil in the U S is depleted. I don't know the exact number. But either that's from, you know, chemical usage, just erosion, like wind just like blows topsoil away. If because plants like keep uh, the soil stuck in one place, right? If you have plants growing, then that soil is happy. 
if there's like bare soil, like in the desert, for example, you can see um, there's not a lot of plants growing. And so the soil is just everywhere. And so desertification is what we don't want to happen mm-hmm. to a lot of places, but it, it kind of is, you know, even, even here in the state of Colorado, um, we can kind of see desertification happening in some areas that aren't, the soil is not well cared for. You think it's because of like the increasing temperatures or dryness or, or chemicals, or is it like all of the above? Yeah, I think it's honestly just a huge mixture of all of the above. But I, I say, I would say a really big part of it is just malpractice, like not, mm. not responsible management of the soil. And I'll go like, again, like big egg. Um, there's a lot of really big farms here in Colorado. Um, that are just monoculture farms and they don't, they obviously use pesticides and they don't, they kind of just let their fields go in the winter. Cause the great, we have like a short growing season. So it's not that like, we can't really, you know, obviously grow anything in the winter, but you can put things down like cover crop it's called. And that is to make sure that the soil is still being super active in the winter. Like plants can still grow. They can still photosynthesize like, um, it doesn't have to just, the season doesn't just have to end at the end of fall. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of farmers, I would say they don't think about even just as much as like laying straw down over the soil. But again, these are like really, really big acre farms. And um, so that I would say has a lot to do with it. It's like, yeah, it's a big mixture. For sure. Well, it's really cool. It sounds like you actually discovered something that we need that you were passionate about and kind of put it together and created your own business, which is really cool. But how do you pronounce the name of the company? Yeah. So my company is Edafic, uh-huh. Edafic Solutions. And so Edafic, that word is from the word edaphology. And there are two paths or tracks of soil science. There is Pedology, which is the um, research and study of the mineral, chemical, physical makeup of soil. And then edaphology is the science of how living organisms interact with the soil. So that's the plants, the microbes, us, um, animals. So I am really working with the living aspect of the soil. Like I'm literally coming and bringing a living product to your plants and soil so I kind of took that word edaphology and made another word out of it but edaphic is also another word for like if you work in a soil lab they use edaphic is like a super technical term um for soil science so yeah and then solution because it's a liquid solution and it's also a long-term soil health solution Mm-hmm. So what do you need to know about the, the other side, like the pedology stuff, like the minerals, like what has that factor into what you do? So that's super important. Um, so pretty much what the microbes, the living organisms in the soil, what they do is they take all the minerals that are found in your soil. So a lot, if you just have like dirt, um, those are just like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, but also a bunch of trace minerals, you know, iron, copper, um, zinc, like the list goes on. 
And, but those are in a certain form. They're not in plant available form. So the microbes will come in and they feed on all of those, all those minerals and they eat them and their waste is like a form of, um, what's it called? Uh, plant food. So mm -hmm. then the plants will actually just make like a really, it's like a routine with the microbes and they'll communicate with the microbes and they communicate with microbes through sugars because uh, microbes love sugar. And so, yeah, the, the mineral, if there's no mineral content in the soil, then the microbes don't have anything to do. Mm. So that is also a really big part of my product, I would say as well, is it also contains trace minerals and maybe minerals that are easily, um, there's like just deficiency. It, for example, in Colorado, silica is like a mineral that a lot of our soils are deficient of, and it's really important for the soil as well as silica is really important for our bodies, like humans. So, and then how that translates to us is if you're growing food in that soil, and then that soil doesn't have the mineral content that you're looking for to eat, so it will nourish your body. So yeah, the minerals is probably like the first step, and then the mm -hmm. micro is the second step. All right, so, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to wrap my head around all this stuff because this is like really confusing and like yeah. new to me. So like you're feeding, wait, wait, so microbes are eating minerals and are you feeding the microbes minerals and then the plants are eating, but the plants are eating the sun, aren't they? Yeah. So they're photosynthesizing, but at the same time, like they, when they photosynthesize, they create sugars. Uh -huh. Um, and Glucose. yes, that, that is, yeah, that is their food, but it's also, they send it down in their plant roots so that they can, um, what's it called? They can have, they can encourage microbes to come to them. Like microbes can symbiotic. Yes. They can sense when like, like a plant is sending, they're called root exudates is what it's called. The technical term, um, of the sugar that is bringing the microbes in and then the microbes. So it's not technically that the microbes are really just straight up eating minerals. The microbes are eating each other. So mm -hmm. and when they're eating each other, they are eating, you know, what each other has eaten. So they're kind of like the soil food web. It's one big recycled system. And then finally, like the end, the end result is um, food for the, for the plants to take up in this certain plant available soluble form um so yeah and then when i what i'm spraying with my compost tea is nutrients but it's mostly i'm spraying almost like just sugar too at the same mm -hmm. time like i there's i put tools in my compost tea to, to make the microbial uh, population grow and reproduce in my compost tea um and i can go into more detail about that but yeah, what yeah. I'm spraying is pretty much like food for other microbes and microbes themselves. So there's like a combination of me feeding what's already there and then me putting new life in the soil as well. So this is crazy. This is crazy. Dude. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm, what, is there it a is difference? A between, it is a lot. Well, th well, it's cool that you're doing it and you like figured it out. And I'm, I want to hear about how successful you've been. But What's the difference between compost and fertilizer? Is it like the same thing? Is like compost a type yeah. of fertilizer? Yeah, so compost is like the best fertilizer. So what, like, what is compost made out of? Compost is made out of decaying plant matter. 
like uh-huh. old plant matter or manure, which is again, like, like what do animals eat? They mostly eat, especially like cows and stuff. They just eat plants. And then their waste is just another form of like plants, decaying plants. So all like what a plant needs to grow, like all the nutrients and stuff that needs is going to be found in another plant that makes sense like a tomato plant like the best fertilizer for a tomato plant is like decomposing decomposed tomato plant because it has all the trace minerals and all the nutrients that the tomato plant exactly needs so that's why compost is so good is because it's just taking what was in that plant and it breaks it down and then you're just feeding it back to plants if that makes sense what that's what fertilizer is so if microbes are eating each other and plants are eating each other and they need each other to survive, how did they start? Like how did, how did microbes start? Yeah. Like how did uh, they like begin if like what they eat is each other? Yeah. I would say that's really, <laughs> really basic bacteria. It's like bacteria and okay. fungi were like the first organisms on the planet. And Word. then they created like, you do you know what lichen is or like algae? <laughs> Yeah, algae. Yeah, algae. algae. Like that's a really basic form of like a fungi and um, bacteria like coming together and creating like a plant. Um, So yeah, lichen is like fungi and algae together. Word. And that lichen, like the reason why lichen grows on rocks is because they're eating away at the rock itself. The minerals, yeah. yeah. Exactly, the minerals. Word. Yeah. So that's what's happening. Like all the time rocks are being actually biodegraded down into soil. Um, it's a really long process, but like that is like rocks in the soil, like they will be broken down completely. Cool. I mean, it will yeah. take a long time, but. And we got the humble fungus guy next week. So we'll talk about mushrooms. And oh, stuff you then. Do? oh yeah. The fungi is so, so amazing. Um, yeah. Fungi is a huge part of the soil food web. And again, fungi is like another thing that's missing in our Colorado soil because mm. the soil is so dry. We live in a dry place and fungi loves moisture and loves water. So, um, but I was going back to like the fertilizer thing. So when you don't have good living soil, like living soil is what people call it. Cause some people have soil like dirt, but is it living? Is it actually active? Like, are you, are you taking care of it? So a lot of people will just buy already soluble fertilizer, which is like Scott's Miracle Grow, or like just a lot of things that you can go buy at Home Depot. And that's already fertilizer in plant available form. So if you feed that to your plant, your plant is like, oh, sweet. Like we didn't really have to do any work to get this food. So they just become reliant on your fertilizing Mm. when really they should be doing their own fertilizing like that's just letting nature do what it's supposed to do so that's also what's really bad about like fertilizers and why i'm kind of like i don't really like to call it a fertilizer but it's the most basic thing yeah Um, but people definitely go to like oh i can just like go buy it at a store and my compost tea can't be bottled up because it's a living um a living liquid so yeah. it needs oxygen so yeah there's no it's not it's not this and there's like a reason why those certain products are like on a shelf 
And mm-hmm. it's not that they're like not beneficial. It's just, like I said, you don't want to make your plant reliant on this like lifeline of soluble fertilizer. Right. So what exactly is compost tea then? And like, how do you make it? Yes. So compost tea is I just take compost, but it's like very important, the type of compost that I'm getting. So I'm looking for really high quality compost that has a diversity of microbial life happening inside of it. Um, And, you know, that's just through like, you make really good compost through really high quality methods. Um, I don't use any animal um, products in my compost, so no manure or anything like that. Um, so it's just plant-based compost. And like I said, like that's the best you can get because it's just a bunch of decaying plants that are putting the nutrients like right back in the system. And then, um, so I take compost and I put it in this tea bag. It's like a big mesh bag. And then I, I attach it to my brewer, which is a really big tote of water. It's like 250 gallons of water. And I attach it to my brewer. And then after I attach it, air will be blowing down into the compost bag. And that will actually, through this aeration and bubbling of the water, will make the microbes, the little microorganisms, dislodge from the compost particles. And then there's also some compost particles that get um, in my compost tea too. So like just like dirt, um, in it as well. But then once the microbes are like suspended in water, I feed the compost tea sugar or food for the microbes. And those are kelp. This is just like a basic tea that I make. So kelp, which is just seaweed, humic acid, which is a really basic form of carbon. It's like this brown liquid. And um, then I will add, you know, depending on what kind of tea I want, uh, I'll either add like a sucrose, which is a really basic sugar, or I'll add more complex sugars if I want, if I'm looking to feed fungi, because fungus does not feed off of like basic sugar. They need like vegetable powder or oats or um, what else is another like fruit pulp. If that makes sense, like fung- fungus likes be- like more complex sugars where bacteria, they'll feed on like super basic sugar. So you can even feed it cane sugar, beet sugar, molasses. Like there's a lot of different types of sugars that you can use in your compost tea to feed the microbes. And then, so I put that in the brewer, it will brew and aerate and those microbes will be eating the foods I'm giving them. And then they actually like reproduce in the, the compost tea as well. Um, like these organisms are just so, you know, small and kind of basic that they, they have the capability of living in all these extreme kind of systems. It's really fascinating that they can be suspended in water and then also live in the soil. Like it kind of blows my mind, but these are like, we're talking about, like I said, organisms that were like the first to ever live on the planet. So, yeah, so I'm just kind of manipulating biology in the way that I want, and then um, spraying it directly on the plants and the uh, soil surfaces. How did you figure out like this exact formula, like all the different measurements that you put in? And I'm thinking about like how there's like chamomile and black tea. I'm guessing you don't have like different variants, do you? Yeah, no, there is. So I make like a spring, summer, and fall compost tea. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they're all different 
kind of little formulas. They're just like tweaked a little bit though, because yeah, there's only so many recipes that you can make. It's not Mm -hmm. um, too crazy, but there's these things that I make called fermented plant juices. And so going back to like the tomato thing that I was talking about. So say you have a tomato plant that something happened to it and you're just like, oh, this I need to take it out and you need to compost it. Well, instead of just composting it, you can actually put it in a bucket of water or a barrel of water, however big it is. And you let that tomato plant like ferment, like how we make ferments to eat. You can do this to make fertilizer for plants. So uh, it takes about two weeks. You can let it ferment for longer and you can also add sugar to it to speed up the fermentation process. Um, to get the microbes more active and the microbes will break down like that tomato plant, like it will completely dissolve in water. I mean, there might be some plant material left, but you just filter that out. And then that right there is like the best fertilizer for tomatoes It's called fermented plant juice. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of them. There's fermented plant extracts. Um, so it, it gets really it's not, it sounds complicated, but it's actually just like, it makes so much sense. Like a plant would need itself to, um, best get what it needs. So I also make those and from like local plants in the area and add those to my compost teas too, for added micronutrients and different because those fermented plants, extracts and juices, they are focusing on anaerobic type of microbiology where my compost tea is anaerobic or is aerobic meaning the microbes need oxygen and the fermented one is microbes that don't need oxygen so bringing those two together is really beneficial because when you get really deep in the soil it's like there's less oxygen so there's anaerobic microorganisms living there doing work in the soil but then when you get closer to the soil surface is when there's aerobic microbes that need oxygen because the soil is made up of like a percentage of oxygen um, and that's for the microbes to breathe. So when you compact soil, like it's really compacted, no organisms can live in it because they literally can't breathe. There's no oxygen Mm. for them. So yeah, like that's why soil should be like a fluffy, um, you know, have you ever seen really good soil, like a sponge, they call it because- In your video. Yeah, yeah. The microbes need that oxygen. Microbes need water, oxygen, sunlight, and shelter. They're like just like what we need. It's really yeah. so. You're saying that the best food for like most plants is like itself. And I was always thinking that plants are mostly fed by like the sun. But now I'm thinking. So I grew up in Jersey, and then every fall, which we call it fall, you know, all the leaves fall off the tree, and then you know, I I would do leaves in the spring or whatever, and I'd rake them up, and when I get to the bottom of the pile, it would all be like turning into like soil so now i'm thinking like the trees are like creating leaves and then they're dropping and then they're like eating those leaves again and then creating more leaves and that's kind of what's going on with big trees yep it's exactly it's decomposition that's what decomposition is like when those leaves are being broken down they're being broken down by fungus and bacteria and other organisms um and then yep feeding it right back into the soil so then the plant roots can take it up it's really fascinating. So in, in nature, there's no waste. And also like, think about mm-hmm. it. Nature doesn't have fertilizer. Like, like you said, this, you're like, Oh, um, the plants grow from the sun. Yes. That's one way that they make food. Like there's, mul- they need multiple 
uh, mm-hmm. eating and absorbing nutrients, just like us. Like we do get a right. new get vitamin D from the sun and we need that to survive, but we also need all these other nutrients. So it's the same with plants. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's like what I going back to what I said, like nature has no fertilizer. They mm-hmm. like all the plants are each other's fertilizer. They all help each other and recycle each other's nutrients. So how do you see what you're doing at Edific Solutions as like a piece in this whole like climate change scenario that's going on? Yeah, so there is this statistic about um, if we repair 11% of our world soils, it's just like all the land in the world, then we can sequester, absorb all of the carbon dioxide that we release into the atmosphere. 11%. Yeah. 11% is, is that little number, which I think is amazing because we like, I feel like that's a doable number and, um, it just, it just takes like all of us to actually care about what's going on under our feet. So I think that my company, not only, I not only educate people about that, but then I provide a solution or sort of like an answer for that with the compost tea. Um, so people don't have to use chemicals and they can just let their plants like get back to this natural cycle that the plants have always known how to do. I think that us doing, you know, landscaping and the way that we as humans grow plants, it's not how nature grows, right? Mm-hmm. Like you see people landscaping, they have like one plant by itself and another plant by itself, like no plants need each other. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah it's called a plant guild so it's like a plant family they all need each other so we kind of like grow plants in this more complicated manner than needed so therefore we need to create tools and ways of keeping those plants happy and i think compost tea is a really great tool in doing that and um yeah helping people fertilize naturally with nature awesome how does it relate to all like the regenerative ag stuff? Yeah. So regenerative ag is going honestly to the soil. It's returning back to the soil and realizing that the soil has everything that we need in it to grow food and keep agriculture in line with nature. So that's really what I see regenerative agriculture doing is uh, returning back to nature, but still fulfilling a need for us in our food system. Like we need to keep growing food, but can we do it in a more responsible manner in the way that nature intended? Um, and like I said, as humans, we have definitely manipulated that and bent that into the ways that we need, mm-hmm. um, but we could still do it in a symbiotic way with the world around us. So uh, yeah, the soil is just the key component to growing any plants um, is in, you know, in grazing with animals like regenerative agriculture is really about using animals in our system to help us prepare the soil, like mm-hmm. let the animals do the work that they've always done with grazing and then right like their waste, and then them stomping on the soil and dispersing seeds like it's this whole beautiful system. Yeah, we're just trying to to do successfully again. And I think a lot of people are really successfully 
you know, keeping all their plant waste, composting it, feeding it back into their gardens and farms. And, you know, I just think composting alone has a lot of, a lot of power. So if farmers just really start doing that. I think we need to do that too. It took me so long to like get a compost bin set up here, but like, I finally just got like the bags ordered like a couple weeks ago. It's like, it's weird. It's like, it's so important. Cause like I'm watching my, I eat all plant-based. So I'm watching myself like grow, throw like broccoli stalks and like banana peels into the garbage every week. And it's just like, Oh my God. Like it's so, it's like such a needless waste, but it's like, I'm, I'm even like, Hey, like I'm like the climate change realtor and I'm still doing it. So I don't know how to get this to be like mainstream large scale. You know, it, it takes a whole like mental shift, you know? It really does. It really does. And I think it's composting is easier when you live like you have your own backyard or you mm. live like how I live in the mountains. I guess easy to just take my compost and return it like actually straight back to the earth. So yeah. I don't really have to like keep it in a bin. Like I have yeah. I have worms that break Sweet. down my compost, but like you can't feed them everything. Worms are still really like sort of picky. And mm-hmm. what you can feed them. So whatever else I don't feed my worms, I just honestly put outside and return it. Like I have a, comp- a pile outside. Yeah. So it's easier to compost that way. So yeah, we, we need to do a lot of work with like people who live in cities or mm-hmm. stuff like that so that they know that their comp, their waste is like actually being made into something beneficial. Yeah, I saw this really cool Instagram page with these people who are like selling all these different worms. Like most people probably wouldn't think that's cool, but I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like they have all these different worms, like bags of giant worms. I don't know. I thought that was cool. No, I'm just like getting into the worms and they are. Worm life. Yeah, worms are called the composters of the earth. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, it is so fascinating how fast they just eat. Like they have mouths all over their little bodies. And um, yeah. They have, if you see a worm in your garden or in your yard, then that's such a good sign that mm-hmm. your soil food web is thriving. Cause if you don't see worms, you're just like, oh, okay. Like there's not enough air or even food source for the worms to live because they like aerate the soil just by like squirming around and like they, yeah, worms are amazing. I could go worms on. Are the, worms are the boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. In Jersey, it was really, uh, it's really humid where, where I grew up and like, I'd always be able to like dig my hand and you would find a worm pretty quickly, but yeah, yeah I don't want to go off too much about worms, even though they are cool. I want to know what are your plans for like uh, growing your company? So right now I just have my one, I'll call it like branch mm-hmm. in Boulder, but I serve all of the front range. So I go like as awesome. far north as like Longmont, all the way down to Parker, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. Mm-hmm. And so my goal is to have just more locations. Um, maybe not just in Colorado, but the whole country. I'm from Michigan, like I said. And since there's so many lakes in Michigan, it's really important what you're putting on your lawn and your landscape. So I feel like compost tea would really thrive in those areas where people are very aware of their pesticide usage. But also like, I wanna go to areas where people are just like, what is compost tea? Like a lot of people think that it's a drink for people to drink. And I'm like, no, yeah. it's for your, plant, <laughs> your plants and soil to drink. Uh-huh. So 
I would really like to go somewhere that like is not conscious of this stuff and really just shake, shake it up and uh, teach people. Cause I think that's probably the most rewarding part of this. And also like seeing people see the results of the compost tea, because mm-hmm. that is something I will say, like it really does work. And a lot of our soils are really depleted on of all the things that I am putting that I have in my compost tea and that I'm spraying on your yard. So uh, just seeing people be so happy about their plants being happy is also. Really yeah. Cool. Yeah. I see. I want to franchise. Totally. Um, yeah. You can definitely do it. Yeah. There there's chemical companies like true green and some other that are like national companies and they do not fertilize with the good products. Natural shit. Yeah, even good intentions, honestly. They've just been doing it for so long that it's just like, they like can't stop. And there are like organic fertilizers. I've talked to some people who own fertilizer businesses and they're just like, well, for me to switch to the organic version, which is just like still probably not even really organic, they just said they'd have to change their whole business model. So it really is like, we've gotten people like so addicted to pesticides and chemicals, mm-hmm. drug addiction, because like so cheap. And also, like I said, big ag, they just push it so hard that people are like, yeah, this, this is it. And so I'm like, want to come in and be like, no, this isn't the only thing. There's mm-hmm. other alternatives. So it's definitely a really big uh, industry the Mm -hmm. chemical fertilizer pesticide industry is 19 billion dollars wow so yeah money definitely has like a huge influence such is life there's definitely room for you in there i I love your vision yeah and i sorry no there's totally room yeah and i could definitely talk to you about how we could figure out how to grow it i think people in this area would really love it. I mean, obviously, you know, Boulder's big on this kind of stuff, but I think the video that you made is is really cool. And it's like really explains what you're doing very well. And I, obviously I wanted to ask you again on the podcast, even though I kind of had a good feel for it, but like getting out there and like making videos and making content, educating people about what you're doing, it does like make sense once you like break it down from beginning to end. I'm wondering if there's any like favorite experiences you've had so far with like clients or customers of work you've been doing like out in the community. Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot. I like to do, um, there's, we haven't done them in a couple of years because of COVID, but they're called permaculture action days. Okay. And it's where people come together. We do a really big project and usually they've been on um, local urban farmers property. So we come in like a whole crew of people and we just get whatever these farmers need done. And those are really rewarding days. And then at the end of everything, I spray compost tea. And uh, so I love doing those events. And, you know, those aren't, those are just me donating compost tea. And it's really working with the community and getting people involved and doing the work and also doing work for people who need it most because farmers Mm -hmm. really do not make money like they should for what they're, the service they're providing to our community they're just not valued. So mm-hmm. um, I love doing stuff like that. And then on the other side of that, I guess, is just working with some crazy wealthy clients that, you know, have living roofs on their houses and me going up on the roof and like spraying compost tea. That was crazy. so much fun. Yeah, I've done that. 
and just go just seeing like what sometimes what wealthy people are doing and a lot of the times they are doing permaculture or regenerative practices on their land because they have the money to implement these practices not that these practices take a lot of money um but they definitely take a lot of work and like labor and stuff is not cheap if you want to truthfully kind of redesign your landscape it, it is going to be a lot so I think it makes me feel good going to like a huge mansion, crazy property, and they're doing, you know, planting native plants, they're hiring me, they're, you know, so that's always really fun. And they're always just so beautiful. And um, I, I just love going and hanging out in people's gardens and seeing totally. everything that people are doing. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, you seem like you're living your dream. I, I really do. I feel like I am living my dream. I feel like compost tea came to me and I was, I'm just like a vessel of getting it out there. Awesome. Yeah. I feel the same way about kind of the stuff that I'm doing. I always feel like I'm a vessel for like my own vision, but um, let's talk about where you're recording this podcast right now and what you're doing at this greenhouse. Yes. So this is a greenhouse, a passive solar greenhouse up in Gold Hill, Colorado. So if people don't know where Gold Hill is, it's an old gold mining uh, town in the mountains of Boulder. It's only 20, 25 minutes away from Boulder. And it's still Boulder. Like I'm technically in Boulder, but they call it Gold Hill. And it is like you come up here and it's as if time has stopped. All the buildings are from the 1800s and it's a very, really small local community there's a little general store and like a little restaurant up here and it's honestly like a hidden gem gold hill and this is where this greenhouse is so we're at 8300 feet and i recently acquired this property and the only building on the property is the greenhouse and so i am currently working on growing food for the gold hill community up here and selling my food at the store. And also um, they make meals and food there. So using my produce like in, in everything they sell. So that's like a ongoing project still because the plants are still growing and um, just trying to test out like what grows well in here and mm -hmm. what doesn't. So it's just like a big experiment, honestly. And I've gotten a lot of my plants from, um, this one greenhouse in Netherlands, my friend, mm -hmm. it's called Alpine Botanicals is her business. She has a greenhouse. So we're at similar altitudes. So I got a lot of plants from her uh, that are doing really well. Cause yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult to grow food at a high altitude. It's not impossible, right. but um, yeah, you have to just figure out what works. So that's currently what's happening. We've got tons of tomato plants, peppers, eggplants, um, I also have a lot of like trees. I have a lemon tree, avocado tree, papaya tree. I have the, my big fig trees over here. Cool. Um, yeah, pomegranate trees. We'll, we'll see what happens and what, what actually grows because I just got this place in November. Mm -hmm. So I have been growing food in here since December. Very since cool. December, so yeah. Yeah. And a fun, funny story. Shout out Jill Park and Izzy Becker, my first clients with Climate Change Realty. We actually viewed 
her greenhouse when it was on the market because they were interested in it. It's just a funny non sequitur. I'm sure that they're listening to this podcast right now. So, um, yeah. And are you doing some work for the university at the moment as well? Yes. So, yeah, separate from like the greenhouse and everything like that. I recently got contracted with CU Boulder to do compost tea sprays. So CU Boulder has been doing compost tea since 2011. They do it at a more commercial level where they make the tea and then it goes directly into their sprinkler system and gets distributed through their sprinklers. So that is like a dream of mine is to like set people up with systems like that because the Mm. way that I do the service of spraying is more ideal for smaller areas instead of, you know, entire universities turf. Like sending it right. to the is just genius. So I found out about that when I went to school, but I didn't find out about compost tea through CU, like their system. I found that out after I was already um, wanting to do compost tea. And I was just like blown away. I was like, what? Like my university does this and they don't really advertise. And there, there was a little like press about them doing it in the past, but um it's fascinating because they don't use any chemicals on the, on the turf or anything like that. And very cool. It's amazing. Yeah. And they've been they, like, so I said, bolder. yeah. Right. So it's, they've been doing it for 10 years. And so I got brought in by one of the CU landscape, um, housing and dining employees. He, um, named Dave Lawson. And he was like, so we want you to spray the perennial, plants around the dorms and the dining halls and so I did one of their dining hall and dorms and they actually saw like a difference in the plants after one application Mm -hmm. so then they took me to another site and it works yeah so seeing like them getting excited about it because and it's also where they're having me spray are areas that were recently constructed so the soil was very disturbed Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and they notice that the plants that they have planted are just struggling a little bit and they need a little, they need a little help. And like I said, if a plant is showing like deficiency or is struggling growing, it definitely has to do with the soil. But what's really cool about my compost tea is that I'm yes, spraying the soil, but I'm also spraying the leaf surfaces and on all plants, like all their leaves, they, they have a whole little community of microbes living on it as well like protecting the leaf surfaces so i'm also like it's called foiler doing foiler application so say like a plant has some sort of like disease or pest on its leaf surfaces the compost tea can help uh work against that because really like what a what a pest is is just like a non-beneficial organism that Mm -hmm. moved into the area and was like hey i'm gonna take over but what you could do is just have so many of the beneficial organisms that they outcompete the non-beneficials and that they, they have to leave. So it's a similar, like what we do with our bodies with uh, antibiotics. Yeah. That we like, uh, like I would say pesticides, the like chemicals are. It just kills it, everything. Yeah. They're equal to, um, to antibiotics where you take those that clear that your whole system instead of probiotics those actually are putting the good guys inside of your body and so then yeah like i said out competes 
the disease or whatever you have, the imbalance you have going on and like your gut health or what have you. So it's the same thing goes on with the soil and the, yeah. the leaf surfaces. So that's what I tell people um, when they have like a, a weed growing in their yard, that plant that the weed that's moved in is just like, it's moved in for a reason. But if you keep, you know, supporting the growth of the plants that you do want to grow, it will eventually be out competed and pushed out and it won't have like food, a food source because the other plants are doing so well. So the weeds will go away, but that's definitely a long-term like it takes a couple years to get mm-hmm. your soil balanced enough that it's like doing what you want it to do. But yeah, it's really fascinating. It just it is. It's like competition. Well, it's interesting how everything is so similar. How You can compare it to the way like people are as well. How everything is just obvious, so obviously connected. And then like these solutions are there. We just have to implement them. I don't know. That's my thoughts. Yeah, no, no. I love that. It, it, it's so much more basic than than we really think and yeah so it's really quite simple totally well shelby you're super cool it was really a pleasure thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really enjoyed having you and of course my last question is what advice do you have for someone who wants to kind of start their own passion project or business ventures like something you're doing i my advice would be to really interact with your community and i would say going to see you was such an amazing way to network and meet people and just see yeah like what is what are the problems of our community or in our or you know you can go on a grander scale like society and how can i help like what how can i be involved in that and you know that's if like you if you want to be um you know involved in your community like that like some people are just like no but i'm i'm definitely (laughs) i'm an extrovert i'm really like I want to talk to everyone. And so I think, yeah, network, meet people, talk to people that you didn't really, you know, think that you would even vibe with or connect with. And because mm. um, everyone I feel like has a little piece of the puzzle for you. And so just rem- rem- remain open-minded and um, your destiny, you'll be led to your destiny by just putting in the work and interacting with the world around you. So, yeah. Hell yeah. I love that <laughs> response. And that's what makes this show so fun. Everyone's giving me little pieces of the puzzle. So, yeah, um, that's what I was just saying. You get to meet the coolest people. I do, just like you. So, th- thank you so much for coming on. It's really been a real pleasure. Thank Very you. good. I'm excited to talk more real estate with you. We'll, we'll chat. We'll chat real yeah. estate. <laughs> post podcasts but yes. as for everyone everyone listening thank you so much for joining us it's been a real honor every single week and we'll see you soon have a great weekend peace out thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of changing the climate the official podcast of climate change realty if you are very passionate about these issues and you know anyone considering buying or selling a home anywhere in the usa then please visit ccrboulder.com today